Sharpen listeners, we have a, uh, a really great episode coming to you guys today. Uh, first of all, it's International um, Women's Day, and this episode makes that um, uh, extra special. And so um, I know that you guys know I love podcasts. Um, obviously, that would be a little bit hypocritical to <laughs> not love having one. Um, and uh, one of those podcasts I love listening to is called Pantsuit Politics. Uh, a friend of mine said, you got to check it out, um, and, and I've been a, a, a very faithful follower for, for about a year now. I'd like to welcome uh, today, we have, as they say in their podcast, Sarah from the left and Beth from the right, to the Sharpen Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so us. much for having us. Oh, look at that. Yes. That's echo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my first, uh, on, on top of uh the, the sentiment of today's episode, this is the first one of recording with uh, with two guests. And so um, if you all have seen the conference call in real life with Tripp and Tyler YouTube, um, maybe, yes. we, uh, maybe, it, maybe we'll look a little bit like that. I'll hopefully my dog doesn't bark like in that episode. Well, I would love to, uh, I'd love for our audience to get to know the two of you. And so um, in, in whatever order you'd like, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about you guys, your, your stories, and then I'd like to hear, too, of what led you to want to start the po- uh, podcast, Pantsuit Politics. Well, I'll introduce myself first because Sarah is our official origin storyteller, so she can pick it up and, and then <laughs> tell you why we started Pantsuit Politics. So my name is Beth Silvers. Um, I'm a lifelong Kentuckian. I went to law school right out of college. Sarah and I know each other uh, from being sorority sisters at Transylvania University, and I went to the University of Kentucky College of Law. So probably like many of your listeners, I spent the initial phases of my career head down just trying to learn how to be a good professional. And um, after six years practicing law, I never liked it and decided to move over to a human resources career now I do coaching work and the podcast because talking with Sarah has been a life-changing experience for me. And um, I am Beth from the right, so I represent the more conservative perspective on our show, although it's never conservative enough for some people, and that's fine. Um, I really enjoy the opportunity to interact with all of our listeners, and I'm excited to talk with you today. So I'm Sarah from the left. Um, like Beth said, you know, we both have a sort of lifelong interest in politics. We met in college. I I uh, decided at one point, because my husband was a podcast junkie, that I should start a podcast. And by I mean decided, I mean he just basically harassed me into it. And I was, at the time was completing Emerge America, uh, Emerge Kentucky training, which is political training for Democratic women considering office, public office. And it was in 2014, so wasn't quite election election time Hillary had not declared yet but I thought that she probably would and that that would be a really interesting topic and I thought at first that I would interview women involved in politics but then decided that I didn't really like to interview people I had too much to say myself (laughs) (laughs) so um Beth had been doing some guest posting on my podcast or on my blog excuse me and she wrote this really amazing piece called nuance talking about like we don't these false binaries we put ourselves in, we don't have to pick sides. We don't have to just say, at the time she was talking about Caitlyn Jenner, which seems so quaint now in the light of our current political controversies, that we don't have a finite amount of bravery to hand out, like everybody chill out. And I loved it. It had a nerve with my readers, and I thought, ooh, maybe we have something here. And I said, um, Beth, what do you think about starting a podcast? And what did you say, Beth? 
what is a podcast? <laughs> it, was not in my, it was not a part of my life at that moment. <laughs> yeah, so I said, okay, we just, we just talked. So let's talk on the phone and see how it goes. We talked for like 45 minutes, and I said, we're not talking anymore on the phone unless we're recording it because we had really good rapport from the beginning. And um, that is how Pansy Politics was born. Mm, I love it. I love it. I remember you guys talking about that in an episode that that was, you know, hey, let's just talk. And after 45 minutes, it was like, let's go. And it really does. One thing that I love that when I'm sharing your all's podcast with other people, I'm like, you can just tell at the end of the day they're friends. Like they're, they're friends and they, they do their homework and they get on the, the podcast and they they fully talk about the topic of the day. Um, but you can just tell there's that, that synergy there, which makes it a lot of fun to listen to. So thanks for, thanks for sharing a little bit about your old background. They also have um, another podcast called The Nuance Life, and um, you guys can, can check that out. Does anybody want to speak to that? So what, what made you guys – you kind of alluded to that, um, Sarah, but what made you all want to start an additional podcast, right? Because one's not enough. I mean, Beth, you and I were talking <laughs> about scheduling fatigue earlier, but, uh, you know, why, why not two? <laughs> Well, just I think that's the best baby. <laughs> <laughs> I really early in our conversations came to understand that we were talking about politics, but more than that, we were talking about values and the kind of human beings that we want to be and the kind of communities that we want to live in and the kind of lives that we wanted to have. And I just felt like the political container wasn't always big enough to go where we wanted to go. And and the two things influenced one another back and forth, right? Because a lot of our listeners will email us and say things like, I'm just a better person because I listen to you guys, which is the ultimate compliment. And I thought we should be talking more about parenting and we should be talking more about our relationships with our own parents and our relationships with our husbands and our friendships. And uh, because we're so relationship-driven, I mean, our whole idea is that we should not sacrifice our relationships because we have policy differences with each other. And so mm-hmm. the nuanced life just came to me as a, a concept of, like, we should, we should bring the kind of perspective and the kind of discussion that we're having about politics to everything so that we can get better politically and, and live better lives in general. We also had a segment at the end of each show where we say what's on our minds outside of politics, and that kept getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and I think that's what really yeah, it was supposed to be like on board. It was supposed to be like five minutes, and it was turning into forty-five. Right, and, yeah. and it was becoming some people's favorite part of the show, and so yeah. it just felt like the right time to say, "Let's try this." Yeah, I, I love that segment. Like I felt like I was walking along with you all and all these things, like. Oh, I really hope that, you know, Sarah's been able to like, get her house ready this week. And I just know she's got a lot going on. So it's so funny. How you enter. So it's even funny for me right now talking to you guys over over a call because normally it's, you know, you guys are, are over the loudspeaker of, of my truck driving down the road. Um, but seriously, it's like I'm like, oh, now I really am, like, talking about life with them, although I've totally entered into your world unknowingly um, throughout your, your segment at the end of the podcast, what's going on outside of politics. But with that said, and the kind of the goal of the nuanced life, I'm really excited for, for what we're going to talk about today. And that's that young professional segment, which is, you know, chiefly millennials right now. 
um, engaging in politics, into understanding policy and how it impacts their communities and beyond. So we say on the podcast our goal is to sharpen our influence um, in the uh, workplace and beyond. Um, and I know I share with you guys, there was a recent uh, survey by the um, Harvard Institute of Politics that talked about in millennial, so with millennial non-voters, um, 43% said it did not matter because Washington is broken. 31% said it did not matter because none of the candidates represented their views. And 25 said the parties were basically more or less the same. So let, let's start right there. Uh, for our young professionals audience, what's the encouragement? What's the conversation that you guys would say, Let, let's start here on why this is important and we don't need to check out? Well, I would start by saying it, it's not – those the, the reasons that you just listed are exactly why you shouldn't check out. Because the truth is if we leave a void – those things will continue to be more true. Politics is not going to be static. It is going to have a trajectory. And I think for many of us in this age bracket, that trajectory right now doesn't look great. And it requires our involvement to change that. But we're not going to be unaffected by politics. I mean, you can't watch a football game right now without having a political conversation. And I think that's a good and healthy thing because the truth is, it does influence the kind of community we live in. It's going to influence the kind of schools that your children attend, the taxes that you pay, the roads that you drive on, the conflicts that your friends and family members are going to go fight and die in. And so you can be disillusioned with all of it, but if that means that you check out of it, expect to grow even more disillusioned and expect it to have an even more prevalent influence in your life because you're not showing up to make it better. Well, and I would say that millennials understand them better than most that our institutions, so many of them were formulated for a time that no longer exists, for an age that no longer exists. We, I think millennials, and I identify as millennials, kind of get that intuitively. And politics is no different. It's an institution that has to grow and change with our changing times. And, you know, I think so many of our institutions are struggling in the transition from an industrial age to a technological age. Politics is no different, and you need people who – have grown up in the industrial age and understand what's come past to be a part of those changes. And you most certainly need people who are born into the new age and understand it intuitively to be a part of that transition as well. Mm-hmm. That's so good. If you think about the, the, the stigma of millennials, so, you know, young professionals, most of the time there are these negative comments um, or stereotypes, which often are not helpful, uh, but one thing I hear is, you know, millennials are just so, um, <laughs> like, values-driven, like, every single thing that they purchase has to be connected to a story, or and it's like, what's wrong with that? And so I think that for this segment, so for the young professionals that listen to this podcast, understanding, like, that perspective is needed, and it's very healthy. Um, I, I just think that we're missing key perspective um, in these types of conversations policy when we do have young professionals that check out. Um, you know, one thing I, had a, I think – yeah, go ahead. I had a chamber event where they brought in these great speakers. The dad was a baby boomer and the daughter was, I think, Generation X. And they read this section, and you would have thought that was like classic uh, millennial complaints they don't want to work, they don't blah, 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 except they were reading from a Time or a Life magazine piece about baby boomers. 
Like, it was like mm-hmm. the World War II generations discussing. It's just a generational conflict. There's nothing special about it. Like, this has happened before where the next generation complains about the one coming next. Like, it's just, that's that's what we do. It's okay. Like, it's, I'm like, ever since I've heard that, I just don't even listen or care anymore because I'm just like, oh, this is just what we do. It's generations. Well, I hired a lot of millennials in my workplace and found that millennials are great employees. And part of the reason that previous generations complain about millennials in the workplace is because they do show up ready for change. They show up immediately saying, I want this to be a better workplace. And here are the things that I think need to happen in order for that to be true. So if we can harness those skills, and I do see them as skills, I think, you know, Poo-poo millennials in your workplace at your own peril is how I feel about it. If we can harness those skills in our civic life, we will see a lot of political change positively and probably pretty quickly. And I think you see that right now in Parkland. I think you see that with the conversation around the gun debate. You see what happens when a young generation shows up with fresh eyes and says, these are our values. This does not reflect them. Do something. You know, do something now. We're ready for change. One of my favorite episodes that um, I've been able to to have um, and be a part of was on intergenerational friendships and relationships. And so what I loved about that conversation was that we talked about the value of those types of relationships in our lives. And, and to your point, both Beth and Sarah, I think that when all generations pursue those and all of a sudden it's not a this versus that, it's a little bit more, there's significantly more synergy around these topics because you enter into, intentionally enter into relationships with the mindset of that um, millennials, baby boomers, et cetera, are going to bring perspective in my life I don't have and I need. It's just far more progressive than, than segmenting out, like to your point about that Times article. Um, well, I one thing I love that of uh, listening to your all's podcast is the um, – you, you two do an excellent job of, of researching into a topic. And I know that word research gets thrown around a lot. Beth, you and I were laughing a little bit before we hopped on the podcast here because it is a subjective term. But uh, what what is it on that there? I mean, young professionals to take the place in conversations around policy, political atmosphere, et cetera, political engagement. We have to do our work. So for you guys, why don't, why don't you all just speak to that of um, maybe uh, what that looks like for you and just some some helpful, even if there's some things practically to help guide folks through what homework needs to be done. Beth is really struggling with some whiteboards right now, so maybe she's talking about her her approach to the whiteboard. Well, I am trying with the Bob Mueller investigation to avoid headlines and really do the research and understand what's going on in that investigation. Because I think that a lot of the coverage of it is so um, influenced by bias of readers and what people are hoping to hear that, that the coverage hasn't been great. So I spend a lot of time with primary sources, as anybody who listens to us and follows us closely knows. I like to just go straight to the indictment that's been filed or if I can get a copy of a subpoena, I want to read that. Uh, when a federal court issues an order, I want to go read that decision. Now, I understand that I have an ability to read those documents um, at a speed and with an understanding because I went to law school that's not available to everyone. And I'll say that that's not of interest to everyone. Um, 
What I do when I am not relying on primary sources is really try to look across the spectrum. If I see a headline that's out there that's not being covered by news outlets from every perspective of bias, then I think it's probably a garbage headline. I'm not going to follow it, you know. Um, I try to see what facts do I see that are being reported the same way by the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. If I hear it on MSNBC, I often just click over to Fox and CNN. How is this being talked about? Is it being talked about? We live in an era when you can find whatever you're looking for. And so to me, more important than your research skills or the time and energy that you have to invest in digging deep on any topic is just maintaining a sense of curiosity and maintaining a list of questions in your mind always. And when you hear something challenging it. Why do I think this is? What would history tell us about this? Has this ever happened before? Uh, It was important to me when we recently talked about the steel tariffs that the Trump administration is discussing to say, George W. Bush did this. Let's not talk about it as though it's brand new. It's been done before. And let's talk about why and what those results were. But you have to kind of train yourself. I think the first step to good research is training yourself to constantly have more questions. Well, and I think that what often doesn't get talked about is giving your space to process the information in the questions. Because we can, you can get whatever you want and as much as you want, I think it's really easy to become overwhelmed. But you have to find some trusted spaces and some trusted voices and then give yourself time to process that information and to sort of bat it about in your head. Because I think if you overwhelm yourself, what I find myself doing is just – reacting and taking it all in and just, I'm like Donald Trump, the last person that talks to me is the one I believe. And so I have really have to give myself some time to process and think through the research I'm doing and the, the ideas I'm contemplating um, as I do that research. Well, I think that's a really helpful conversation and it's an important part of what political engagement should look like. You know, a lot of the listeners for Sharpen, you know, they're in, uh, they're working for nonprofits. They are, uh, they are teachers, they are nurses, they are in corporate America, they are, you know, the, the what that marketplace engagement looks like them is, but we're all in that first five to ten years. Um, so practically speaking, you know, maybe not everyone's going to run for a local, future, state, national, I mean, whatever, the opportunities are endless, but an office, or they might not, to your point, they might not be in law school, they might not. Uh, but but help us with some of those next steps. So obviously doing our homework and our research and uh, doing so in a way that we have balance and we cultivate curiosity and we give us, you know, give ourselves time to process it. Uh, but give us some additional next steps practically. So if we're working a nine to five or we're, we're whatever that looks like, if we're not already engaged in the political sphere, the political process, what should that look like? Or what are some great examples of some young professionals that you guys have seen saying, no, 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 I don't check out, I check in because this is, you know, this is, this is my, uh, this is part of my role. Sarah, do you want to start talking about that? Yeah, I will start. I was thinking about our mayor. Uh, We have an amazing mayor in Paducah, Brandy Harless, who is a young professional a millennial, very, you know, tech-minded, innovative-minded, and she, you know, the, our mayor position of my town, as a small town, is part-time. Now, does she probably work close to her hours on it sometimes? I'm sure she does. But she has a health startup. She runs um, a gym and a rental business, 
and she does this um she's also the mayor of our town and she i think really approached it as um a small like a part of her life it's not a career it's her moment right now to use public service to give back um you know she did a merge training with me to think through it wasn't ever really sure if she was going to do it but then just felt like it was the right time and she had something to give i think thinking about it through like what you have to give we had a listener email us that was like, I'm just so overwhelmed. Every issue seems important. Every seems like the most important thing. And I'm like, don't think about it like that. Think about what the issue is important to you, what your story has to give, what your skills have to contribute, and go from there. Think about how you can uniquely contribute to the situation, I think, is a really good way to start to think about it. And then, um, you know, you do what you do anything when you want to jump into something new. You ask around with, from people who have done it before. Yeah, I agree with that. I think so many of the things that you need to be doing between five and ten years into your career anyway fit really nicely with political engagement. You know, be, be on the board of a nonprofit organization. It's a great way to expand your network and to practice your skills and to practice kind of telling people what you do and who you are. Um, and it's an opportunity to get back to your community and then just show up and do that really well and pay attention. And as you're doing it, start to pay more attention to the news. You know, just absorb current events, and and opportunities will unfold. It will present itself at some point to work on a ballot initiative or uh, support a candidate for office. You don't have to dive all the way into, as Sarah said, I'm responsible for every problem on earth. As you're developing your skill set, if you just pay attention and you really do check in the current events, um, and, and I would say, like, if you're disillusioned with the way it all works, that's part of why we started our podcast. We couldn't find what we were looking for in terms of political discussion. So there are lots of new ways to do that. Subscribe to some podcasts or just get a newspaper subscription and read the newspaper. You don't have to go 24-hour wall-to-wall cable news to be a, a news-savvy person. But I think that if you'll add awareness of current events to the kinds of things that you're already doing as a young professional to build your network and give back to your community and develop your skills, the whole picture will start to come together. And current events can be local news, too. Yeah. I think that's always important. You guys do a really great job with that. Yeah. I love that you all cover – I mean, both of you all will speak to some Kentucky, which obviously that draws me in as well as a Kentucky native – um, you know, we talk about on Sharpen living an integrated life, and so often people will say, well, you have to, you know, have different file folders and keep everything separate. And, gosh, when we're talking about things um, like policy around um, gun control and what that's going to – I mean, that's really hard for me to segment out of other spaces in my life. And so as we think about as young professionals living an integrated life, this is a really um, key part of that. And – you know, one, we also use the language of orthogonal experiences. And so what are some of those things that maybe they do push up outside of our comfort zone in that first interaction, but it's so healthy in terms of engaging with people that maybe we never wouldn't. And I think that that could be a really nice fit as far as those first steps for political engagement. Um, you know, we um, we uh, love to um, get to know our uh, our guest members, um, for you all, uh, you know, you do have a uh, pantsuit politics. I'll be sure to, and the nuance life, I'll be sure to list that, um, in show notes so folks can check that out. 
and uh, subscribe. Check them out. They do a wonderful job. Um, they research <laughs> their topics really well. Beth, I'm just imagining now this, like, um, giant literal whiteboard and, like, all of these um, dry erase notes or, or maybe that song. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. I, I'm joking that I'm going, I'm heading in that direction. I'm fearful. I don't know if you, you guys have seen like when John Stewart on the Daily Show used to impersonate Glenn Beck because Glenn Beck would have these whiteboards and be like circling things and pointing and look over here and everything is a conspiracy. But no, I tend, we work in Evernote and we tend to keep mm-hmm. really detailed yeah. outlines in Evernote. Um, and that's really where we're kind of constantly compiling our research. So we see an article, we, we link to it in there. We, copy and paste the relevant segment. And that's really how I tend to work through our research, just okay. a, a myriad of sources and um, and putting it all together in one place and, and outlining it. Okay. Okay, cool. And now I'm so disappointed. I wanted this, like, madhouse of, like, a whiteboard and post-it notes. <laughs> and, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm joking. Um, well, I, I'm uh, probably headed in that direction. If I do that, I'll Instagram it, I promise. <laughs> Please Instagram it, and I'm going to tag it on to the episode notes as well. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've i so enjoyed getting to have you guys on. Um, we like to ask every one of our guests, so I'll, I'll, I'll link their podcast as well, folks, so you have easy access to that. Um, we love to – I know you guys talk about what's going on outside of politics um, along that line, but it also could be related very much to what you all are doing in this space. But we like to, uh, first of all, start out with a shout-out, and so – um, it's really important to express gratitude to all the many people that are making all these good things happen. Um, so I uh, want to make sure that each of you had the chance to make a shout-out today. Well, I can start. Um, you want me? When, I, when I think of the person who has been very influential for me, especially in ways that are relevant to this conversation, um, I worked with someone named Ed Diller, who is um, a lawyer – at the firm where I started my career and has been the partner in charge of the local office of that firm. He chairs a number of important boards uh, in the Cincinnati area. And he has been very inspiring for me in a number of ways. One, he is truly the busiest person I know and never makes anyone feel like he's busy. When you sit down and talk with him, he looks at you. He doesn't check his phone. If the phone rings while you're in his office, he doesn't take the call. Uh, he is fully present with every person that he meets. And he gave me one of the best pieces of, pieces of advice I've ever received, which is that you should not be trying to build a career. You should be trying to build a life. And your career will be part of that life. But don't do things solely because you think they'll advance your career. So he would say about civic engagement, political engagement, I think, do it if you care about doing it, if you love to do it, if it is something that you want to be part of your life. But don't just do it as a line on a resume or what you hope to be an open door or a stepping stone. And I have really followed that advice um, with good results, and um, he's, he's just been an incredible mentor to me. So Ed Diller is my shout-out. Um, I was going to say that mine is my husband. I'm next to my husband right now. He's about to go back to surgery, and he's been very supportive of the PSU politics. Like I said, it was his original idea. He's produced the podcast for two years with Beth and her husband's help. Um, he supported me so long. He's I, I couldn't have done anything I've done up to this point without his love and support and help. That's mm-hmm. my shout-out for sure. I love it. 
um, Sarah Beth and I were talking about whenever you are on the producing side of a podcast, how it's like not the glamorous <laughs> for me. It's not it's not my gifting. Uh, but I were I was laughing. I don't know if your husband in in his work, um, you just you like listen for um, obviously a, a lot of each episode. And I said for me, I learned I had like all of these filler words and phrases that were so awkward when I would like sit down and listen to them. So. I don't know if that ever came up around the dinner table of like, hey, honey, I noticed that, and probably not with you guys, you all have a whole lot more experience, but for me, I said these really awkward, like, yeah, on on, uh, on the podcast, so editing showed me that. I don't know if your husband ever caught any of those. <laughs> you may, uh, you probably have, have learned um what, what those, uh, what those maybe not go-tos, but for me, I had awkward filler words. Um, another thing we like, yeah, I, I think, our guests. I think, I think, okay. I think, I think, I think a lot. I must be thinking uh, all the time. Uh huh, uh huh, yeah. And Kirby, I, I uh-huh. just want you to say that again in your sweet voice because I have these conversations in my house all the time. It doesn't sound so nice. <laughs> Chad will just say to me, you have got to stop doing this. <laughs> I know, I know, but see, whenever I'm the one doing it, um, I can, I can be super critical. But yeah, I can, I can have that conversation with Chad. Here's, here's good way. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So see, there, I'll, I'll fill it in with my. <laughs> with, uh, with Sharpen Two, we like to find out from each of our guests what's been a game changer for them. So something that has sent uh, their path in a different direction, and we've had a variety. We've had favorite apps, we've heard favorite books, um, conversations, food items, you name it. And so I'd love to hear what's been a game changer for uh, for you two lately. Oh, that's a hard question. Getting your household hard question. Because, <laughs> because Sarah is a resource Sherpa. Sarah has yeah, that's why it's so hard. But narrowing is difficult for her. It's very you want difficult me to say, for me. Yeah, you, want you me to go say while you're thinking, Sarah. So yes. I had a conversation with, uh, this was probably three, four years into my career practicing law, a more senior associate uh, and I were talking and, and I said to her that I was really worried about having kids and continuing to practice and figuring out how to make all those things work together. And that conversation really changed my perspective on everything because she said to me, you know what? You do what works for you now, and when it doesn't work anymore, you'll change it. So when you have kids, if what you're doing now doesn't work for you, you'll just change it so that it does work for you. And then you're not going to be stuck on that either. As they get older, that will change. You'll want to do different things. And you just go with it instead of looking at your career in such a linear way that I have to follow this step or that step. And once I make a decision, I have to live in that decision forever and that sort of adaptive approach to my career was so liberating, <laughs> um, and mm. and it really has empowered me to to make those changes as I needed to make them without the fear of what opportunity cost accompanies this. No, I just do it, and then when I'm ready for something else, I'll do that. That's good. So. I'm thinking about the biggest game-changing moment in my life. I'm like, I guess I'm going to take that one, that approach. Um, and the biggest game-changing moment in my life, probably, I don't know if it's more, at least on the same level as marrying my husband, which is huge. I got married when I was 21. This was a child bride, so that was a big, pretty 
definitive path I took in my life that changed everything. But um, in 2009, um, I convinced my husband that the best path for us was to move back to my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky. Um, we were pregnant with our first child at the time. I knew I did not, I could not have the life I wanted where we currently were, which was Washington, D.C. And I couldn't really take my, um, be my authentic self or follow my authentic path. Um, and so I convinced him that the, the best way to live the life we wanted to be the parents we wanted to pursue um, our interests and um, live near family and all these things was to move back to Paducah, which was a huge, it was, a, it was definitely a game changer. I think his, uh, his he was making a lot of money at a um, corporate law firm in Washington, D.C. I think his coworkers in particular thought we were crazy. Mine did too, to move back to this small Kentucky town, but it was, absolutely the best decision we have an incredibly high quality of life um it's very affordable where we live we're near family i would not have had i certainly wouldn't have had three children had i not moved home um i wouldn't have been able to pursue politics on my own terms the way i have in paducah i I don't think i'd be a podcaster i mean it was just when i think about i just read that book dark matter i don't know if either of you have read it it was a really it was a big bestseller and it's like all based on physics like all your realities exist at the same time, and when I think about the life that sort of ex- would have existed or maybe exist out there in the universe of me staying in Washington, D.C., it's just in different ways I can't even begin to fathom, and I'm so glad I took that moment to really think, wait, what life do I want, and where can I make that possible? And I, it's a really, you know, it seems like my only option at the time, but now that I look back on it, I think, thanks, Sarah, that was pretty brave. <laughs> that was a... That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Wait, what, took a minute from ordinary life to look at your life and think, but what if I changed everything? Would I like it better? And the answer was yes. That's so cool. I hear both of you all talk about essentially that theme in your in your game changers. And then specifically to the podcast, I'm just really thankful as a listener that, that you all said yes to that. Um, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed fun. You know, I've, I've, I've had you guys in my uh, truck ready. You didn't know this, but we were all hanging out, all three of us, at like 5 a.m. <laughs> commutes. Um, we had some good times together, ladies, and now officially <laughs> in person. So I've enjoyed this. I hope that our listeners um, lead this conversation. I mean, I think you guys have set us up with some next steps, some actionables, actionables but also hey, here's why. Here's why we don't check out. And I just want to thank you for your time and the good work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for speaking to this audience and believing in this audience. Um, I, I am so pro-millennial, and so I, I appreciate what you're doing here. Mm-hmm.